0: I don't know, I feel like, a, can I just give you like a little prophetic word? I'm Pastor Corey, by the way, this is Pastor Aaron. And what we mean by prophetic word is that our, our heads spin around and things get really weird. Um, no, what we just mean is that God is saying to somebody this morning, in your situation, in your scenario, uh, don't get distracted with the wrong Goliath. Just because it's a giant doesn't mean that it's your giant that you should be facing. And I think you can create your own giant as well. You know, the reason that, the reason that goliath went down was because he was standing against david's people that's why goliath had to go down it had nothing to do with goliath it had every it said, there's a scripture that says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood and this sermon is going to really help you because i think some of y'all are wrestling against flesh and blood we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against spiritual powers and rulers and authorities in dark places that's our fight yeah, fight the wrong battle, you're gonna lose all the time. It is not about flesh and blood, it is not about the your neighbor who won't give your lawnmower back. Or your husband or your mom. You ready to get into the, the sermon today? And my notes are not ready. Okay. Um, now um uh, Easter's coming up. Who is close to you but far from God? invite them to Easter. There's somebody you're thinking about when I say that you're thinking about your neighbor. So risk rejection again, who cares if you get rejected? There's healing in the house. We'll sing a song. We'll pray for you, but, uh, let's, uh, let's get somebody. We have three uh, services. We're going to do a nine o'clock, a ten thirty, and a 12 o'clock, uh, service. And so think about that. I think the 10 30 is going to be packed. So, um, I would suggest coming and just being ready to serve in those services and not just coming to one service. If I could say that, we're going to need some help. There's so, some great plans coming. There's also an alpha small group uh, starting up in the next session, which is like exploring faith. And some of you are at that place where like, I would like to ask some questions about Christianity, about Jesus. And that is the place to do that. Uh, some of you might want to go through that because you've been going to church for 10 years. but can never really ask some of the basic questions. And so you're kind of missing some of the foundation uh, of Christ and the gospel. So, all right, you guys ready to get into this uh, series? Have you been enjoying it? Um, on the Run, David Running from Saul. It's a series about how God delays your promotion uh, with idiots. Have you been somebody's idiot last week? You weren't expecting that. Thanks, Sean. Uh, The first week we talked about integrity. The second week we talked about a priest who, uh, who in your life speaks God's words to you. Um, It's also important to notice that God appoints your priest. You don't appoint your priest. And so uh, some of you, you know, some of us were attracted to those who basically tell us to do whatever we want. Um, But God will send you a priest that uh, disagrees with you and hurts your feelings at times, but it's good for you. Um, Next week, I'm going to be talking about promotion because David actually gets promoted to king. But, um, once you have the integrity for the promotion that God wants you, once you're promotable, you'll understand that promotion has a price and, uh, a lack of integrity won't pay the price for promotion. And it's going to be a little bit of a shocking sermon. I think you'll love it though. Now, um, here's what I would say about sermons is that sermons, uh, you got to help me, give me a little feedback here. Sermons only make you want to change where you really change is in groups. Humans don't change sitting there and being taught something. It will make you like, oh, I should do something. You really want to change? Go get prayed for. It's a group. Get in a small group. Get in a team. It's a group. That is where we really change. And you're, you're going to need your small group this week. You can, uh, there's a QR code on your chair. You can sign up for a small group right now. You can sign up for a team right now if you want to. And so they will help you contextualize this sermon. Because I think a lot of people come to church, but then they come back next week feeling as if something has happened. When all they've done is walked out and been challenged but they haven't actually applied it and so you apply it in the group that's that's where we actually apply life and and grow so all right you guys ready for a story from my childhood uh we were allowed to play tackle football when i was a kid now we bubble wrap everybody and bubble wrap everybody's emotions um Back then, you didn't walk into the big, uh, big kid's end of the school and uh, lip somebody off because they would put you in a locker for the rest of the afternoon. I'm not saying that was cool, but you learned a lot <laughs> in that locker. And um, it was my grade six birthday party. And I remember I had a bunch of the, my, my friends over, a bunch of the boys over. And, uh, and my mom decided, now boys are great. In grade six, it's like two brain cells and a, and a fast bike. There's not a lot going on, uh, but there's a lot going on. And um, and I remember uh, my mom decided, uh, yeah, Pastor Beth, we call her Pastor Beth, still out of respect. And uh, she decided uh, she wanted to play football with us. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking that's going to be a bit of a liability maybe I'm like "Who's whose team do you put her on do you put her on on your team because I don't know if she can play football do you put her on the other team and then what what do you do when she gets the ball right well I had a friend named Rodney who um we saw what he did when she got the ball she was running up the sideline and Rodney Rodney yard sales her right out of the sideline just boom right off the field glasses flying my mom's like I'm like every other boy on that field is like Rodney Rodney you killed Corey's mom on his birthday I don't know what he was thinking but two brain cells and a fast bike right what are you doing and I I remember just the shock I'm like Rodney like you killed the food chain that is the food chain who's making we gotta eat I'm going to talk a little about the food chain today because sometimes God sends you a food chain that you're tackling. Now, my my dad had to teach me how how you talk to mom. Now, in our our home, we had one rule. Honor your mother or move in with the neighbors. (laughs) Like, if you want to eat and live indoors, this is what you're going to do and this is how you treat mom. And if you don't like it, that's totally fine. We'll miss you. (laughs) But around here... This is mom and mom is sacred. And um, talking with them now, I have uh, four daughters. If you don't know, uh, I, I have four daughters. So I'm like emotionally dialed in. That was like different for me because I grew up with just a brother, a disappointing brother. I always have to say, I can never say brother without saying the word disappointing. It's competitive. But I had to learn how to like talk to girls. And I had to learn that when, when one of the girls starts crying, it's going to take 15 minutes. The Lord told me that one time. He's like, it's going to take 15 minutes. And so I would sit there and I would just sit beside her and put my arm around her and be like, I'll be here for 15 minutes. I can do this. And then I would just think about something else for a while and then just come back in every now and again and be like, okay, okay. But I don't understand what you, I can't hear because you're crying and I can't hear, but I'm like, uh, so I would just like wait until we could get words out and then I can deal with stuff. You know, I had to learn how to do that. Now, now I'm not really going to talk about, about that relationship or your relationship with your mom today. I'm going to talk about something that David had a real struggle with. And that was a relationship with dad because my mom had to teach me how to talk to dad because dads are different. So just like moms are different. Dads are different. Um, Dad was, like, Dad was different in that we would wrestle. Ryan and I would wrestle with that. You know, you know when, you're, when you're young and you're boys and you're like, come on, old man, we're doing this. Like, you've been sitting on the throne in this house long enough and we we're going to take you out. And so, you know, it's just like the surprise attack where you just, like, jump on Dad, you know, and try to, like, you know, like, beat him up or do whatever you're going to do. And um, boys are dangerous. My girls, you know, uh, my friend, his boy would come by him and be like, love you, Dad, and just lean in and punch him. And uh, you got to like defend yourself against boys. My girls have never thought of doing that. They're just like, "Love you, dad," and like put you know put their head on your shoulder. You know, you don't have to defend yourself. But I remember with my dad, if he could get those farmer hands on you, you're done. They were just like like an ant from Lord of the Rings. They just like freeze on you and just tear the stone apart. You know, like ah, my arms. You know, like if he could if he got a hold of you and got a lock on you, you were done. It didn't matter how many of you were on there, you would be begging for mercy. There's this, wrestling, there's this wrestling thing that dads will do that that is good. And now, here's, here's what's good about dad. And uh, just give me a sec. Here's what's good about dad. Here's what's good about dad. This is what I think boys need. I think everybody kind of needs this a little bit. It's good for dad to pin you down and be like, you get it? <laughs> like, you get it now? <laughs> <laughs> like, you get it right? You get, this is why I'm dad. You're not dad. You don't get to order mom around. You don't get to order, right? You get it. You get how earth works. My dad taught me how earth works more than my mom did. Now my mom was great. And I have a heart today that pumps blood and it feels things because of my mom. She, you know, she's dialed in that way, but my dad taught me how earth works. And he used to pin me down and be like, you get it now. Now your relationship with dad, with your dad is the nearest thing that I can think of on earth as a relationship with God, your heavenly father. So in the Trinity, like it's the nearest earthly relationship to that in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is kind of like mom, the nurturer, the Jesus is the son. The father is the father. Now, um, what happens if your relationship with dad isn't that great? You know, I was talking with Quinn and Quinn has said that his relationship with his dad was always fractured. And so he said he had a friend come over one time that his dad used to wrestle with, but he wouldn't wrestle with Quinn. You know what I'm saying? Like that wrestling, that, that striving, that like, Hey, let's put the world in order. Hey, let's show you how to, one of my main jobs in my home is to do, cause now just hear me out. I think identity comes mainly from the father. I'm not negating mom's role. Without moms, the world will fall apart and everybody would die of starvation. But I think you get your identity from dad more than anybody else on this earth. I think you get it from your father. One of my main jobs in in my career as a father is to be like, here's what God made you for. Here's who you are. So that they don't have to go any place else. People are getting it now on the internet. People are getting it from like chat rooms. People are getting it from grade five kids. I don't want my kids in grade five and in high school to be looking for identity by dating somebody to find their identity. They, they ought to know from me who they are. Like, no, this is who you are. You don't, nobody treats you like that. This is, this is what you're worth. This is who you are. This is what God made you to be. Identity. And I got to teach them how earth works. And I want to teach them something. And I want I to show you about this. I have to teach them how the ladder works where you are on this ladder when you go to the bank where you are on this ladder in school here's where you are here's how you interact with the food chain if you watch boys on the playground it's different than girls everybody the girls like it's just different i don't know because i've never hung out with girls on the playground i hung out with the boys there's a hierarchy everywhere you go on a playground with boys they're like working it out hey if we're doing this then that's your job and this is your job and here's your place and here's how And here's the guy who's like the alpha male, who's going to pick the teams. And here's your role in that. And everybody kind of finds their place and shuffles in there. And that's what boys naturally are kind of doing. Is this helping you? I feel like if you didn't grow up with a dad, you might be missing something today. Now, um, just give me a sec. Um, Now, when I married Pastor Aaron, Pastor Aaron didn't have a good relationship with her dad through most of her uh, childhood. Now, her dad's a great guy, like, don't get me wrong, but... There would be reg- regrets there. Um, you know, she came back one time, I think, from camp. And her mom had, like, moved into the city. And all of a sudden, dad wasn't there, you know. And so you're missing, you're missing something. And I think, looking back now, I was talking with her about this. And looking back now, when we got married, I already knew who I was. Because I really got my identity, really, from God through my father. So I kind of knew who I was. So I didn't need my identity from her, which was a little bit weird for her. Because, but when, when she married me, maybe she was looking to, m- for, for me to help her with her identity, which was a little weird for me because I didn't, I didn't understand that she would look to me to identify herself in, I, I didn't understand that burden. I didn't really understand what, what that looked like. Um, I, but I do remember talking to her. I remember one, it was like, you want to hear about an early argument we had? I was talking with her about this. I remember saying to her one time, just in an argument, like, you, you don't know how to talk to men, do you? I remember saying that like, who are you talking to? Because this doesn't work for me. I had never seen a coat man talk to in that fashion. I'm like, I feel like you're talking to your sister maybe, but like that, the way that you're bringing this up doesn't really work for me. Now, how many people know that if you want a relationship with God, your father, you got to talk to God, your father in a certain way, because he's not your sister and he's not your teenage friend. You can't buy him. You can't, he is the father of the universe. He's not your homeboy. You got to talk in a certain way to God. Now I can, I can feel the tension. Just, just give me a sec. David has a big red button. And his big red button is, he doesn't have a good relationship with his dad. He says in the scriptures, even when my father and mother forsake me, you God are with me. Can you imagine? Put yourself in David's place. He's got like seven brothers. Samuel, the prophet, says, Jesse, gather all of your sons. I'm coming to your home. David's not even invited. And Samuel goes through. He's like, because the the boys don't know, but Samuel's like, there's a king in this home. But he goes through all the boys like, this guy looks good. This guy looks good. And God keeps saying, no, no, no. He gets to the end and he's like, Jesse, do you have any other kids? And that other kid... Might have been you growing up, out in the sheep fields, not invited to the party. It was David. There's thought in commentaries that he might have been an illegitimate child, like the one we don't talk about, the Bruno. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno. Like the guy out in the field. And then God does David a huge favor. And gives him another father figure called King Saul. Who spends most of his life trying to kill David. God knows that if David gets that throne with a father wound. If he doesn't understand his place on the ladder and if, if he doesn't get it right. David's just going to turn into another Saul. Saul. Now, there's some some symbolism here I I want you to get. Promotion with a father wound might turn you into another Saul too. And God teased David up in very tricky scenarios to do something and to bring healing. But David has a step that he's got to take to be healed. And you're going to have a step to to take today that you're going to have to do if you want to get the Lord's healing from this. 1 Samuel 15, Saul has just messed up a lot. And Samuel has just told him, God's anointing is lifting off of your life. Samuel, the prophet who appointed and and like anointed Saul, Samuel, the prophet turns to walk away. He says, as Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back. Saul tried to hold him back. Keep that in mind. You can do that actually with your actions. You can try to hold the prophet back and tore the hem of his robe. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. Can I teach you a little bit today? I'm going to explain the robe here in a minute. Um, I'm going to explain the robe right now. The robe represents the office of the prophet. I'm going to show you in a, in a moment, what I think symbolizes that cause we don't wear different clothes these days as much, but the robe represented the office of the prophet. As, as Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed him with such violence that it tore that cloak. This cloak was not easy to tear. There was a lot of violence that happened here. And so Saul grabs him and tears it because he doesn't recognize the office because he doesn't understand how to interact up the ladder. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. Are you, I think you're ready for this. The one above you is not your ceiling how you interact with them is. Think about your work situation. Think about your family situation right now. There is a ladder. Now this ladder changes when I go and hang out with different people in different groups. I am not at the top of the ladder in the bank. I don't get to walk in there and order all things according to my will. I don't get to go into your home and be like, you should feed the cat different food. It's your house. The one above you is not your ceiling. God wants to do some healing in your life because you're always focused on the one above you. Like, well, they won't let me. They won't let me. How you interact with them is. I mean, David has the worst ceiling in the world named Saul, if that's true. But somehow, David gets past these tests of like, Saul is not my ceiling. How I interact with Saul is. Now, it will determine how far you go in life. It will determine your promotability. If you don't understand this. Now watch uh, God tee David up. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness at, at En So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops. Now David has been collecting men, but he's only collecting like a fraction of it, and they're not soldiers yet. And so Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rock of the wild goats. When you're insecure and proud, you'll... Instead of fighting the Philistines, you'll go and try to fight your own family sometimes, people that God sent to help you. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. It was the bathroom cave. David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Okay. So that just happened. Now, this is a little weird for me. Can you just set this up as if this actually happened? Because it did. So Saul's like, I really have to go to the bathroom. And he makes 3,000 elite warriors wait for him. Because Saul is one of those guys that's like, don't watch me go to the bathroom. Anybody got a kid who's like, don't look at me. You're like, I've seen you naked before. Don't look at me. Saul goes back into the bathroom of this cave. And David and all his men are hiding further back in the bathroom cave. Right, So this is weird. Um, I don't know if, if the bathroom to Saul was like a destination. Some of you, it's a destination. You take your phone in there with you. You're like, I need, to, I need to connect with some people when I'm going to the bathroom. Some of you are like listening to music. Some of you are like, to me, I leave it on the counter because I don't love the bathroom. I don't. It's not a destination to me. I, I don't enjoy going to the bathroom. I just want to be out of the bathroom and get on with my life. Okay, so... Some of y'all was like, that is my husband, 100%. You got to get out of the bathroom. Free up the bathroom, guys. Now, now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. So we're going to have a lot of whispered conversations today. It's going to get a little weird, but like, now's your opportunity. Uh, David's men whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you please, um, as you wish. Now, everybody underneath you thinks that they know who you ought to kill at work. But... Um, but this is, like, this is like whispering. And so this is like my mom whispering in a restaurant like, Richard. My mom always thought that she whisper whispered, but she didn't really. Richard. And I'd be sitting there like, oh no. Richard, do you like that lady's hair? And dad, dad would normally clueless would be like, what? That lady's hair. Do you like that lady's hair? Should I do my hair like that? And he'd be like, I don't know. Um, and so this is like not... You know, subtle whispering. This is Pastor Beth whispering. And so David creeps forward. Now, this is awkward because Saul is going to the bathroom. He creeps forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. 3,000 guys are outside, and Saul is having his moment in the bathroom. Everybody stopped like, what do we stop for? Like, how long is he going to do this? I didn't like stopping the car for four girls in it for the bathroom. 3,000 guys are not moving. But then he said he crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then Saul's, David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. Watch his interaction. Watch his interaction. Now, listen, right now, God wants to be your father and he wants to wrestle you down and be like, do you get it? I need to change your mind about how you think something works. Would you let God wrestle you down? Just let him wrestle you down a little bit and be like, Hey, you get it. This is how earth works. I'm going to show you something that will make you promotable. See, Saul didn't deserve respect, but that robe deserved honor because it's still the robe of a King. The prophet appointed the King, the priest anointed the King. David can't remove the King. How David interacts with Saul's robe is going to determine how people interact when David's wearing that robe. Because honor is not about the other person, it's about you. And you reap what you sow. You want to be promotable? You got to learn about honor. You got to get wrestled down today so God can be like, you get it now? Do you get it? the playground today society? No, let me show you a better way. What could we compare the robe to today? I'm just taking a break here. It's a teaching moment. What can we compare the robe to today? Because we don't wear different clothes. You know what I'm saying? Not, not really. I think the robe today is most, uh, the significant part of it, the robe today I think is titles. When I raised my kids, I, I was kind of Old Testament about it. I'm like, no, it's not, It's not Sean, it's Mr. Gibson. You know what I'm saying? No, it's Mr. It's Mrs. It's not your teacher's first name. It's not Aaron. It's mom. It's not Richard is grandpa. You feel me? It's not Titles. Titles, the the robe, titles, it puts space between you and those up the ladder. And God works miracles in that space. Because familiarity breeds contempt and God resists the proud. God can't work in your life if there's no space between you and those above the ladder, on, on the ladder. Because ultimately, mistrust goes all the way up the ladder and God's at the top of that ladder. You're like, but, but God, you couldn't possibly. My boss is a maniac. I told you about one of my bosses. But God is still up that ladder. And dishonor still goes all the way up that ladder. Officer. Yeah. Sir. I call the barista ma'am sometimes. And she's 19 and got my order wrong. <laughs> and my name is always Gord. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. I go to the bank. I'm not a teller. I can't get on that computer and like, because sometimes I go in there. I'm like, I don't know how these people run these places. It took me 57 minutes to get one thing done. Like, people, we got efficiency. I said, yes, ma'am. Why? Because I'm not allowed to go on the computer and be like transfer funds. <laughs> my dad was my pastor. I called him pastor. You're like, that's weird. I'm like, no. Like, well, why'd he make you? He never made me. He knew he was the pastor. Maybe I didn't know. Any church setting, I called him pastor. We were at a leading second. Like, how do you lead from the second chair? And they said, if your pastor's number is in your phone and his name's not pastor in there, or her name, add it. So I did that with my pastor. I'm like, yeah, Pastor Peter. I call him pastor all the time, of course. But in my phone, it just was... I invited the mayor to Easter. I realized I just had Peter Brown on my phone. Now, I always talk to him and I always say, Mr. Mayor. Why? Because he's the mayor. He has a robe of office. That title is that robe. I'm recognizing that you are above me here. I used to call my boss, boss. Yeah, boss. Why? I wanted him to know that I knew that he was the boss. He knew he was. I wanted him to know that I knew. Yeah, man, you signed the checks. I don't care what you want me to do. It no doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to fight you. Mr. Mayor, I took my phone out, put Mayor in. Yeah. They can't keep you from your destiny. Only your interaction with them can. It can only tear your robe of office one day. Because God is going to call you to a place of influence. And he wants to make sure you get there with a robe that covers you. But if you won't cover those above you, how can he cover you? David said to his men, the Lord forbid. It's just whispering conversation. Conversation. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I love David. He'll just stop anywhere and teach people. Um, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. Watch my Lord, the king. Do you catch that? My Lord, the king. Not Saul. Not this idiot. Not I'll bet you Saul didn't call Samuel prophet Samuel. Watch it when he talked to the high priest. Listen to me, you son of Ah Ahitub. You son of... Saul didn't get it. Saul didn't put the space there so God could heal him. So that he could wear that robe well. And David cuts his robe. And then his heart smites him because he's like, no, ah... I mean, it's better than touching him, but that robe was on his person and I shouldn't have touched that. Ooh. Now, some of y'all, your conscience is so messed up that it would, it would bother you if you didn't take the shot. Yeah. David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone his way, David came out and shouted after him, Saul, you son of a... No. <laughs> no. My Lord, the king... And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. You don't do that with a guy with a spear that keeps throwing it at you. Like, bowed low. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people? Watch this, watch this. He's not going after his person. Why do you listen to the people? He's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Somebody must be whispering these crazy things to you. I'm not going to say that you're crazy. He knows that he is. He's like, why do you listen to people that say that I'm trying to get you? This very day, you can see that it isn't true. The Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. The Lord set you up and set me up to see what I would do. Some of my men told me to kill you because you didn't use the bathroom spray, but I spared you. (laughs) That's what it's there for. Use the dang spray. Think about the next person. For I said, I will never harm my Lord, the King. Listen, listen, don't miss this. I will never harm my Lord, the King. He is the Lord's anointed one right here. Because I'm going to make a statement at the end. You're going to see the very last verse that I preach because I'm going to go through another story and you're not going to like it, but you need to start liking this. I will never harm my Lord, the King. He just showed Saul all of his cards. My only option if we face each other is I'm going to run. I'm not going to fight you. You have a strong personality. You're a scrapper. I'm a scrapper. I love a good fight. Not this one. Not this one. I'm never going to harm you. You can punch me. I'm not going to punch back. Oh, you, you thought only weak people were Christians. Maybe the strongest people are. He's like, I'm going to trust the Lord. That's what he's saying, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do, but I will never harm you. David's finished speaking. Saul calls back. Is that really you? My son, David, you see, he was supposed to be a father figure and he knew it. Then he began to cry. Like he had these moments of clarity. He said to David, you're a better man than I am. You've repaid me good for evil. Yes. You have been amazingly kind to me for when the Lord put me in a place, he sees it all. Where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and the, and the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. And two chapters later, Saul took 3,000 men to hunt David in the wilderness of Ziph. David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, Abner was the commander of his army. The, the guy was terrifying. He was amazing. They we're sleeping inside a ring formed by the slumbering warriors. Who volunteered to go in there with me? David asked two guys. Um, I'll go with you, Abishai replied. This is why guys are so great. Like, would you go, ladies? No, you would not. Don't even act like you're way too smart to that. Abishai is like David's cousin. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Let's do this. Like, I don't know. how bad could it be, right? Famous last words. Like, how bad could it be? <laughs> so David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with a spear stuck in the ground beside his head. You remember that spear? David's like, oh, I, I remember you. <laughs> and Abner, Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. Got to sh- watch this, Abishai. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. Like I won't miss, I'm better than Saul is said this. <laughs> I, can, I can hit a sleeping guy on the ground. This is a whispering conversation that is happening with 3000 bodyguards, elite warriors around you. Two brain cells and a fast bike guys. <laughs> watch, watch, watch. This same Abishai in one battle later kills 300 men with a spear in one battle. If David lets him do this, Abishai never reaches his destiny. You want influence? Then you got to say no to people sometimes. No, no, we're not going to do that. There's something else going on here that you don't watch this. Watch this. David stops for a very long whispered teaching moment. And if anybody wakes up, they're dead. No, David said, don't kill him. He gets his Bible out. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul someday or he'll die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head and let's get out of here. So he took the spear and jug of water. Well, now he's learned his lesson. Now he's not going to touch that robe anymore. He's not going to touch anything that's on Saul. He's like, this is, and they got away without anybody seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. Has God ever tested you by putting somebody above you in the ladder within your power? Did you pass the test or did you fail the test? David fails the first one, but he gets this one right. He climbs the hill opposite. And then I'm not going to go into this part. He shouts down to the soldiers and to Abner. Wake up, Abner. Now, Abner's not his commander or his king. Abner has no authority over David. And he literally chews him out. And he's like, how dare you? You are the worst of the worst of like, if I was over there right now, I'd mess you up. Because you were supposed to protect Saul from me. You and all your men ought to die because that was your job and you didn't do it. And David loses his Holy Spirit on Abner. Watch, watch this though. um, Saul recognizes uh, David's voice and calls out, is that you, my son, David? Come on out, worship. And David replied, watch this. It's like a switch turns off. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He's just been screaming at Abner like, you stupid idiot. You didn't do your job. You had one job. And then watch, a switch gets, and he says, yes, my Lord, the King. How do you talk to people over you? Can we just have a conversation? You call your mom like, hey, you. No, 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 no. Yes, mom. Can I do this? How do you talk to your husband? Hey, you. How about like, yes, dear. Too soon? How do you talk to your boss? How do you talk to your small group leader? How do you talk to your team? How do you talk to your pastor? How do you talk to... How do you talk about the prime minister, Alberta? In my home, this is what we're working on. No, it's Mr. Trudeau, it's prime minister Trudeau. It's not Trudeau. If I dishonor him, I'm going to go all the way to the top and I won't do it. If I remove his covering and start criticizing and stop praying, who will cover me? What honor is there that God can work in in my life for the miracle that I need? Yes, my Lord, the King. Saul, verse 21 says, I have sinned. Come back home, my son, David, and I will no longer try to harm you for you valued my life today. I've been a fool and very, very wrong. And here's the verse I'm ending with. David says, Here's your spirit, O King. David replied, let one of your young men come over and get it. Here's what I want to say to you. You got to give the spear back. But pastor, you don't under, you're not facing that. And David gave the spear back. Send one of the young men over, come get the spear. You know what that spear represents to David? Worse than you've ever faced. And he's like, here's the spear back. I get it now. If you're going to throw it, you're going to throw it. But God is greater. And I'm going to trust in God. Because if you keep that spear, you'll use it against people. And you'll, you'll use it against God. And you'll pr- start protecting yourself against God like Saul was doing. And David's like, I can't take this spear. There's something wrong with it. I'm going to send it back to you. And if you use it to hurt me, then you use it to hurt me. But God is still on the throne and I'll still be okay. What does that represent for you today? You know what my dad gave me? Maybe the greatest gift. If somebody needs some healing today, my dad taught me something. I don't think people above me in the food chain can take anything from me unless God allows them to. get it they have no power unless god allows it yeah but pastor what if politics and what if the country and what if 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 and what if, if it happens and i gotta hang on a cross am i gonna forgive them or am i gonna try to seek vengeance am i gonna be that person am i gonna my dad when i was a kid i was uh, what's called demonically oppressed. And so, you know, remember with the head spinning around and stuff like that, it was kind of like that. It was crazy. And I'm not a mystic at all, but it was, it was a hard time. My dad would, st- I had night terrors like you couldn't believe all night. My dad would stay up with me, put me on his lap and read Psalm chapter 91 over me. And as long as I was with him, I was going to be okay. That transferred to my heavenly father and even if the devil himself would come against me, I know that if God is with me, I will be okay. But I can give the spirit back and be like, this is not mine, I don't want this. Do whatever you're going to do, but God is my God and I'm going to be okay. Father, we pray that the Lord would show us that that spirit cuts off the branch that we sit on. And I pray that the Lord would open up a space for miracles today, in Jesus' name, amen.